Us, gentlemen. Mr. Grandin, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing fantastic. Mr. Melberth, how are you doing? I am doing phenomenal. As I said, game week is upon us, and we've got a special guest for the first time in Average Joe's history, the man who introduced us to the theme song that we use to, to introduce the podcast, and um, one of the most loyal Bengals fans we know out there, and that would be Mr. Jake Sneed. Mr. Sneed, how are you doing today? There are a few things in life that I was born ready for, and this is one of them. Awesome. Awesome. I could not have asked for a better introduction to who you are as a Bengals fan. So um, without further ado, I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. Let's just get right into it. Opening question, opening salvo. What do you think this year's Bengals season brings for you? And I'll start with you, Jake. You're you're new to this podcast, so why don't you just give us an introduction to who you are as a Bengals fan, and then what are you looking forward to this season? Well, what am I as a Bengal fan? Well, I don't think I've missed a game, not even kidding you, probably 10 years. Um, that's been a miserable decade. Um, but you know what? It's like an abusive relationship. You just keep coming back for more. Um and what am I, what was this follow-up question to that? <laughs> what are you looking forward to just in general? Oh, what am I looking forward to? I'm looking forward to the whole freaking thing, man. I am so excited. This team, I've heard every reason why this team's going to suck. I'm going to give you 150 reasons why this team's going to make the playoffs this year, okay? Um, you look at our quarterback right now. Let's go down the list, all right? If I'm in the AFC, if I'm a GM, and I'm taking a quarterback for the next 10 years, I'm taking number one. Patrick Mahomes, all right? Number two, I'm taking Josh Allen. Number three, well, probably, man, I had something prepared and I totally forgot who three was. Uh, probably. Probably Herbert, probably Herbert, right? Uh, pro uh, no, no, I can't give, uh, I can't give my good friend, oh. uh, the Oregon Duck, that. Um, yeah, I, I'd take Joe Burrow. Let's, let's just get, let's get crafty. I definitely had, before Burrow, but, the, but my, my point I was going to make on the show today was that Joe Burrow is a top five quarterback, okay? So I'm ready to see him with a new knee. I'm ready to see him with Jamar Chase, the best receiver in this draft, um, who needs to kind of, you know, remember how to catch a pass. Um, <laughs> I'm ready to see Joe Mixon in a contract year. He is in a contract year, is that correct? Uh, uh, technically, but I think they can cut him for like a mil next year. So technically it's a contract. Technically. Player. Yeah. You get my, you get my gist. Um, yeah. I'm ready to he see well. CJ Uzama back. Um, and then defensively, I have a dark horse. All right. I think that this year, and I was, I'm an avid listener, first time caller. Um, <laughs> I think Jermaine Pratt is a pro bowl middle linebacker this year. Okay. That's my hot take. Okay. Uh, I, 
couldn't help but notice you didn't say Drew Sample in your offensive uh, breakdown. Yeah, um, I'll throw <laughs> Drew on that list. Uh, All right, yep. I mean, he had, a, he had a couple of nice one-handed catches for three yards last year, so you never know. He might take that next step. Well, yeah. I mean, you never know. I mean, I we think we were all there when um, our good friend Grant Buzzard caught the first pass of his career. You know what? Um, him, him and Drew Sample football game. They're very similar. They're, they they play very yeah. they're very similar. So the point the point I'm trying to make there is that uh, you know Buzz maybe had a couple one-handed snags in practice. Uh, Maybe, uh, but then you know he showed up one game and he caught one pass for like yep. thirty-five yards and first down. Yep. yep. So yeah, yeah. That's, Going um, back to your to your Jermaine Pratt point, I agree with you. I think Logan Wilson too. Those two have Pro Bowl potential. I think if 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 they play well this year. Well, so speaking of the defense, um, already some bad injury news. Obviously, we've had Joseph Osai. He's out for the season. Khalid Kareem's out the first few weeks. Announced today, Trey Waynes is not playing in week one against Minnesota. So follow up off of that question, just what are you looking forward to specifically out of the defense? Kind of what sort of improvements do you both want to see? I mean, I know you're a passionate defensive guy, Jake. I mean, you're a former linebacker. So uh, I guess we can start with you on this one, though, Brandon. Kind of what are you looking forward to to see from the defense this year? Improved pressure numbers? Uh, more turnovers is there a specific statistic you're looking for that says the defense is better this year than it was last yeah so you know with big lou in charge you're not you're not you're never expecting much but i think you know Bengals have been i mean let's face it i mean let's not sure could it they, they've been downright shitty on defense for the last three four years i mean i'm talking i mean we're talking bottom five six in the nfl i think a good step for them this year get a culture in place and i think a culture was starting to take place during camp with the no loafs, the loaf chart, stuff like that. I think a good season for them would be around league average in defense this year. And I think, you know, if you want to look at the PFF grades, you want to look at, you know, other statistics. I think if you compile all those, if they're around league average, I think it's a successful season. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Jake? What do you think about the defense this year? What do you, what are you most looking forward to seeing? The success of this defense is going to hinge upon the development of our young linebacker core. Okay. And I said it, you know, I said, Jermaine Pratt, I'm expected big things from him. Um, correct me if I'm wrong here. Isn't this Jermaine Pratt's fourth yep. season playing linebacker? Contract. Yep. Okay. So contract. that, yes. Well, yes. What I'm getting at is he was a safety convert, right? So, yep. I mean, I, the skill is there for him. I mean, he's a, he's a modern day. I mean, yeah, he's big body. What is he? 240, 45. Uh, I mean, he's put on the weight. But, I mean, he is a modern-day 2021 linebacker there in your middle. But it's not, it doesn't stop there. I mean, you have Logan Wilson, who, uh, I mean, he's, he's consistently gotten better. Um, you know, God bless Nick Vigil, man. But if I have to see his jock strap in the middle of Paul Brown Stadium, again, I'll laugh my ass off because it's not for the Bengals. But, um, you know, the other guys, um, I, you know, pe- the thing, the, the person that people kind of, don't talk about and rightfully so I mean he's not a starting linebacker in this league but I look at a guy like Jordan Evans okay and Jordan Evans is the veteran of that room and he's a special teams guy Um, a lot is going to ride on him kind of being the intermediary between the Josh Bynes you know old league vet who's not in the room anymore and 
the Akeem Davis Gaither, who's in his second year and is really looking to take the next step. So the success of that team is going to completely depend, excuse me, the defense is going to completely depend on those linebackers. Okay. I mean, obviously we had a huge blow to the pass rush during training camp. Um, I think that all that kind of caught us all um, in a bad way, but um, I'm really not worried about that defensive line. And I mean, I just, I guess that's kind of spoiled to say, I guess you might, you guys might very much disagree with that, but I just think, I mean, I saw enough there. I mean, I think Sam Hubbard as a run stuffing defensive end is great. I think that those interior guys, they're consistently getting better. I mean, I think I saw that. Um, I think we both exchanged texts like after the first playoff game, we were like pleasantly surprised with that front line. But uh, I mean, and we have the best safeties in the AFC. And I, I mean, I don't think you're going to get many people that disagree with that. Yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, yeah, we beef the corners, obviously they're, you know, they're about league average. So when, you know, Alec, when you say like, you think this team can, that defense could be league average. I think that they have to be league average. I think you, well, I, I, mean, I agree. If they if aren't they're under league average, people have to lose their jobs. Yeah, absolutely. Well, but I, absolutely. And I think last year we saw Von Bell and Jesse Bates take that step. At least, at least Von Bell coverage wise, we saw last year. Also Jesse Bates low coverage wise as well. Um, but I think that last year our corners were not good. So I think that it's going to be important to see how well the, the safeties play this year with good cornerback play, because they played well with, with, with pretty bad corners last year. So it's going to be cool to see them play with some good players on the outside. They got the bum William Jackson out of town, which I think is going to help a lot of things. And Shadobia Wujie appears to, from all indications, have had a great camp. Now, I think it is worth worrying about Trey Waynes and his health. Um, you know, he's yet to dress up and play a single game um, for the Bengals thus far. And, I mean, we're going into a situation where Eli Apple is going to be covering Justin Jefferson on Sunday. And I don't think either one of the three of us on this call have a whole lot of confidence in that uh, aspect of the defense, potentially for the first three weeks of the season, having Eli Apple covering high-level receivers. So going off that, um, do you think that the signing of Trey Hendrickson and the health of DJ Reader and the uh, continued development of Sam Hubbard will have a significant enough role to offset any potential injuries or lackluster play on the back end that there wasn't last year. Uh, you know, Bengals were 32nd in the NFL last year in sack percentage. So do you think this rejuvenated D line uh, takes a lot off of the DBs? And do you think it does enough to uh, cover up some of the deficiencies they definitely have on the back end? I'll say this to that point. I do. I do. I, you know, and you make a good point. Justin Jefferson week one could absolutely feast on our defense. Yeah. But guess what? In the AFC North, you're not going to win this division unless you stop Nick Chubb. You're not going to win this division unless you stop Kareem Hunt. And guess what? What's his face? Uh, Ohio State boy in Baltimore just stopped himself. Uh, JK Dobbins just stopped himself. That, that helps us. But you got to stop Lamar. I mean, yeah. I mean, this division is still, it's 2021, okay? And yes, you have to stop the Justin Jefferson. Yes, in our division, you have to stop the Jarvis Landry's. You have to stop, you know, the high-flying receiving course. But in the AFC North, you still win this division by running the football, stopping the run. So when you ask, when we beef the O-line or the D-line, when we get DJ Reader back, when we add Trey Hendrickson, yeah. I mean, if you can beat us, okay, if you're going to go at us, if you're going to go at our corners with Justin Jefferson, we're banking on our team is built this year. 
that we're going to be able to go at you with T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, that Joe Burrow is going to put up numbers that he is expected to put up. And if we have to win some shootouts, let's Big 12 it, man. Let's go freaking play some football. But, yeah, I think that run defense is going to be dirty. Um, I think the moves that we made, they surprised me a little bit. I mean, I I never thought we would get a guy like Trey Hendrickson. I mean, just because of of what I've seen the past 21 years of our life and free agency splashes. But I say that, you know, and I don't think that's necessarily fair because we signed DJ Reader the offseason before that. But to answer your question in a long-winded way, yes, I think I think we've done enough to to beef that defense. Yeah, so I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here. Um, I agree with everything you just said, but I think the talent at the top, and this is how a lot of NFL teams are, the talent at the top of our D-line is very capable enough to stop the run and get after the quarterback. But if yeah. there are a couple of injuries, it's, a, it's all over. It, it, shit's hitting the fan. Our, we have no – I think that is our the, – the depth is the least on our team at, um, at the well, on, both, on both sides of the line. I mean, we look at, and we'll talk about it in a second. We look at who they cut on the offensive line, but I mean, and both of your points ring true, especially uh, Sneeds. I mean, we were there for the 440 yard Baltimore rushing performance at the end of last year. And I think we all walked out of that game uh, realizing that this can't happen anymore. So, you know, Trey Henderson signing was good, and the development of the linebacker is going to be very important. I think all three of us have faith that Logan Wilson is that guy. Um, but, I mean, there's still room to see kind of what improves from that aspect. So moving forward to a little bit of a more uh, not uh, football knowledge question, sort of just in general, who on this defense do you guys just love to watch play? I mean, there's Jesse Bates, but it, um you know, and I think I know what both of your answers are going to be, but who, just in general, who are you, who's your favorite player to watch on this defense? Well, I'm actually interested to uh, hear who you think I'm going to say here. I, I really think it's Sam Hubbard. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's, he's, yeah. His motor just doesn't stop. And I mean, of course, everybody knows I'm probably the biggest Southwest Ohio football homer in the world. Um but, I mean, his, his energy just doesn't stop. I mean, you got to love Cincinnati kids staying home. Um, I really, you know, I know his contract. We like it. Uh, Bengal fans are, you know, pretty top-heavy in liking it and everything. But I'm really looking forward to seeing him play this year because I think he could take the next step. I mean, I, I think, you know, there's no denying. How many sacks did he have last year? Sorry, guys. I thought I was going to come prepared with all these stat numbers. You guys know that. Um, I thought half, call I it was called six. It's five. Yeah, I thought it was three and a half. But anyway, um, that's got to get better. But with a guy like him who's just – he's such a gym rat. He, his nose is always in the playbook. I mean, I don't see why – I mean, he's got the physical tools to do so. And um, when you have a motor and a work ethic like that, I think you can take the next step. But I, I love watching Sam Hubbard play football. And it says a lot – I mean, b- both of you guys are former team captains. It says a lot that he is now – I think he was a captain last year too maybe – um, but either way, he was elected a captain this year um, in kind of a Bengals-related news bit. The captains were announced today. Um, and so we can actually bring, we can bring that up as a question. So the captains announced today, Bates, Bell, Hubbard on defense, Burrow, Boyd, Mixon on offense, and then Huber as the specialist. Just sort of what does it mean? Um, you know, obviously it's different from high school to college to pro, but what does it mean to be a team captain and sort of what does that tell you about what the locker room thinks of those of seven guys? I mean, obviously Joe Burrow is Joe Burrow, but 
um, specifically for a guy maybe like Joe Mixon or Jesse Bates or uh, Von Bell, what does that tell you about what the locker room thinks about them? Yeah, I think, and I, you know, and I think NFL is a little different. I think um, that's more longevity based in a, a lot of times. I've got guys who have been in the locker room for multiple years. And, and it's kind of weird now to think that, I don't know, that Joe Mixon is a veteran, like, like yeah. a true veteran, or Jesse Bates is a true veteran. It's kind of weird to think about that now. But I think that, you know, the, the guys who are sick and tired of losing in Cincinnati are those guys. You've heard them on social media over the offseason. You've heard them during camp. They're, I mean, they're sick and tired of losing, and they're trying to do something about it. And I think those are the perfect guys to try to lead your football team, especially when, you know, the, the culture seems to be changing. Mm-hmm. But that would be determined this season on the field. So, yeah. what, do you, what do you think about team captains, Sam? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I don't know. I, I think there is a big difference. Um, well, excuse me. There's a very small difference between the NFL and Centerville. Um, that's just that's just the standard we held ourselves to. But there's a big difference, obviously, between a high school football captain and an uh, NFL captain. Right. However, I will because I, I do think I you know I struggle to grasp this. I think we all do because we've never been in the locker room or whatever. But it does it, the cultures in the NFL they range so drastically. Um, you know, I think you could look at a guy like Bill Belichick and he's kind of a general. But then you look at a guy like, uh, you know, Jimmy Johnson, for example, who ran it more like a CEO, as in like, I'm hands off, I'm going to put guys in the spot. I mean, obviously, he was fired, whatever. But so what I'm getting at is I think captains mean a different thing in each locker room that you go into. But I think Alex hit it on the head there. I mean, you look at guys here, who I think there is something to be said about tenure. They've been in that locker room for a long time, but they're sick and freaking tired of losing. And they're not losers. Joe Mixon is not a loser. Um, Joe Burrow Joe is not a Joe loser. Burrow is, Joe Burrow is yeah. not a And it just takes those guys to have, you know, the wherewithal, the leadership in them to uh, – sorry, my mom just texted me um, – to just say, you know, screw it, enough's enough. Like, it, it, to me, and I, I heard you guys say this, I think it was two episodes ago, like, it's unfathomable to me that a loaf chart is just now like breaking ground in Cincinnati. Like if you really were serious about winning, and I mean this, the Bengal, Mike Brown tries to run his football team like the Pittsburgh Steelers. He tries to, meaning he doesn't want to go make big trades. He doesn't want to go, and obviously I know they just traded for Minka or whatever, but he doesn't want to go make massive splashes in free agencies. He wants to organically grow his football teams. And yes, we've seen the last, what four or five first round draft picks and are I think that they've been extremely underwhelming but for a while there one thing that Mike Brown was doing really well was drafting I mean the Marvin Lewis teams drafted really well yep but so the talent is there but what I'm getting at is like it it takes guys that are winners and these guys are drafted by us uh, with the exception of you said uh who else was who you just named the captain I forget whatever yeah exactly yeah Von Bell yeah it takes those guys to say, this is how we do things around here. Let's hold each other to a higher standard. And let's just, I mean, let's just go get it freaking done. It, the margin of error in the NFL is so small. I mean, I know it's cliche and everything, but like five or six plays in an NFL season, literally are the difference sometimes between you making the playoffs, winning the division or not. And um, I just think we've been on the complete wrong end of that for the last 21 years. I can just, because I can't speak for the team's, for my lifetime that's an interesting point you bring up there so I want to ask this as a question so during his press conference today they asked Zach Taylor about 
what does the team have to do to be better at closing out games in the fourth quarter? And he gave his answer, and I can um, give that later. But what do you guys think is – because it's no secret the Bengals have been downright putrid at winning games and closing games out. So what do you guys see when you watch a Bengals game? What do you see that makes it seem like they are shooting themselves in the foot? Is it bad offensive play calling? Is it just poor execution? Sort of what do you guys see that makes you say, this is why they're not closing these games out? And and can you can they fix that this year? Yeah, so I think because they have Joe Burrow, I think he could I think he could patch a lot of a lot of those holes that they've had uh, you know in fourth quarters, I think. You know, when you're up in a fourth quarter and you find yourself up in a fourth quarter and your defense isn't very good and um, yeah, your defense isn't very good and your offense is kind of stagnant, it's kind of hard to keep those leads. So I think with a guy like Joe Burrow, it could, it, you know, it, th- he could help a lot with being able to move the offense, even if the defense can't hold it up in the fourth quarter. Well, let me just ask you, I think you just hit the nail on the head, but did you just say Von Bell gave his answer to that today of what they can do better? Zach Taylor, Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor, excuse yeah. me. What did Zach Taylor say? He, he said something to the effect of, and you know, it's, it's a coach speak sort of answer, but he said something to the effect of it's not plays in the fourth quarter that determine the game. It's plays in the first and second quarter that determine the game, which to a point I agree with, but I mean, it, it's impossible to not look at the fact that they just blow all of these games in the second half. So, uh, you know. Yeah. Well, I'll, that kind of threads the needle for my answer. I mean, yeah, Granin just hit it on the head, but I don't think it's a play call thing. I really don't. I think it's, it's the little thing. It's, you know, the stupid penalties, but the one thing that I will say that I don't think is uh, that we probably weren't going to talk about. Maybe we were, we have a kicker now (laughs) that should kick in Cincinnati until his freaking leg falls off. Okay. And the last time we had that was Shane Graham. And you throw on the top of that, that Shane Graham being a Florida guy who, you know, has a big influence on McPherson and everything. I mean, coach at Florida. Yeah. Yeah. He was a special teams coach at Florida. Like you forget like some of the greatest Bengal teams of our lifetime were when Shane Graham was the surefire place kicker. And I say that he missed a kick against Denver. I remember it was at 07, but what I'm getting at is you make the kicks. I mean, how many times last year did we watch Randy Bullock pull a kick and that was the difference in how the entire second half, because you, Melby, you just hit on the second, how second half probably does in, in all reality mean more than the first half. I don't care what any coach says, but when you miss those kicks, that sets the tone. I mean, because the game plan is the game plan. Get on the other side of the 50 and get points on the board. The more points you score, the more you win the game. Like Lapham, it's simple stuff like that. Yeah, Lapham that, that, that helps. Lapham brought yeah. that up the other day. He said, and, and I'm, I'm 100% sure it rings true. Once you get inside the 50, the fact that the Bengals now have that guy that once they get on their, the opponent's side of the 50, you got to be worried about him banging a field goal from 57. It changes the whole dynamic of how a defense plays, how a defense thinks. So I think that is a very worthwhile point to bring up. And that is why I'm going to be taking Evan McPherson in the first round tonight. <laughs> yeah, that is so, great to hear. <laughs> yeah, that, that's awesome to hear. I'd love to hear that. Um, no, what I was gonna say though, that, so going back to the Randy Bullock kick last year against the Chargers week one, the cramp. I think, so yeah, the cramp, the old phantom cramp. Um, I think that kick kind of def- like kind of set the tone for the season because they win that game at home. I-, I-, I think their season's different last year if they win that game week one at home. Cause I think that was really demoralizing, but I think Evan McPherson could be, 
really good. Like really like, and I, and I don't like saying this, I'm going to jinx it. I'm sorry, guys. Like maybe Justin Tucker, Harrison Bucker good. So we'll see. I know. know. I I know he's going to be terrible now, but he's got a shot. (laughs) You just need to let down on him. Fire me up. Yeah. Um, Ready. So, speaking of uh, sort of first games of the season and, and all that stuff, what are you most looking forward? I know we just talked about kind of what we're looking forward to see out of the defense. We'll get to the offense in a second. Or actually, let's just talk about the offense now. So, obviously, Joe Burrow comes back. That's the main ticket item. And the question that everybody's going to ask, and I'm going to ask you both right off the bat, have they done enough to fix the offensive line? And you guys have at it. I'll just throw that question to the dogs. Uh, uh, I, I'm going to say it's to be determined, depending on how the rookies play and depending on if Jonah Williams takes the next step. I think that's what determines it. But, Steve, I'm going to let you take this one. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, let's just say, God, is that four years ago now? I mean, I had an absolute field day on Jackson Carmen. I mean, I probably – beat him 75% of the snaps. Um, so I hope he's a hell of a lot better than he was then. Uh, I think the huddle tape would tell you that. But, um, yeah, it, to be determined. I mean, it, there's so much riding on Jonah Williams. I mean, just watching that, I mean, I was in a B-dubs when we took Jack Carmen in the second round. And you should have, I, I kid you not, I mean, literal cheese curds went out of my nose. I was so shocked because he is a project he is how can you expect and I know we you guys have driven this into the ground but how can you expect a guy that's played his entire football career as a tackle be expected to come in and start day one in the NFL at guard and make an immediate impact and the answer is he's freaking not no coach could tell me with a straight face that he is so but so much is riding on our team so much is riding on two people in my opinion on that offensive line it's Jonah Williams and Trey Hopkins and I know you guys love Trey Hopkins. I'm just not that much of a Trey Hopkins believer. And yeah, he, he might be top 50% in the NFL. Um, I, I, that's all he's going to get from me, man, because he's not a surefire starter. Like he, I, now you're going to get me in a, you're gonna back me into a corner there. <laughs> he, he better be if this offensive line. We're, we're, job. we're about to bring up the PFF grades on you. Well, so yeah. I think, I think here's the thing that, um, Alec and I have talked about on this podcast and we've discussed with you at length as well, um, Snead, and that is that all they need to do this year, and it's what we just said about the defense, all they need to do this year is be average on the offensive line. With how bad they were last year on, on the offensive line, if they're average this year, that's a market improvement. So I think that's the first thing that needs to be um, stated and, and, and agreed upon there. Now, I do agree there is a lot riding on this year for Jonah Williams because this – he was good last year, but he got hurt at the end, and we kind of didn't really get to see the full product. This year, with this offense and, and you know, it's not only his prove year, it's Zach Taylor's prove year, everybody's prove year. This is Jonah Williams because he's got to extend his contract it, it probably next offseason. So this is his year to say, give me the big bucks. I'm the franchise left tackle. So I wholeheartedly agree with you there, Sneed. I think that's a great topic to bring up, the fact that, you know, he's looked good in the preseason. Apparently he's had a good camp, put on some weight. This is a huge year for him, huge. Yeah, and I think another thing we – like just like we said about the D-line, 
the the offensive line's really thin. So injuries to the offensive line would almost be as devastating as the defensive line. Yeah. And you know, we let me ask you this. Let me ask you host this, not to cut you off. So what do you think of Trey Hopkins? Do you really think that Trey Hopkins is the answer at the center position? I do. Okay. All right. I'm not what has he done to tell you that? What has he done to show you that? He he has been exactly what the Bengals need as a center. If you look back through our lifetime as Bengals fans, we've had Kyle Cook, we've had Russell Bodine, and um, who was the other? Oh, Billy Price. And if you look back through, just look at those four guys together, I think it's very clear that Trey Hopkins is the best of those four. Now, why do I say that? Everybody that plays on the offensive line with him says, great communicator, knows the protection, knows the scheme, and that's the center's job, as you guys well know, is to get everybody acting together as one. Now, my second point is just going to be like, in general, you really rarely saw him last year being the one that got his ass whipped. It was always the two uh, bozos on the right side, false start Bobby Hart and Michael Jordan, getting their ass kicked and making Trey come over there and fix their mistakes. So that's why I love Trey. I just think he's a steadying force, and it's – I don't. I think there is a lot of guys better than Trey, without a doubt. But I don't think it's something that it's not a need. It's not a need. that you're like, oh, I have to go spend eighty million dollars to get the top center. When I have Trey, who's just as good, or just as good for what we need. Well, I'll I, totally, I'll totally agree with that. Yeah, go on, Grant. I want to hear you. I was going to say, so say Steve, I'm going to, I'm going to be kind of in your corner here. Um, I think Trey Hopkins is a good center, uh, above league average, but not, not elite. But also, he's coming off that ACL tear. So we're going to see yes. how he responds with an ACL tear. I think that's a very valid very important. Yes. And I, I, I'll, I'll, no, I'll backpedal there a little bit, too. Yes, I think Trey Hopkins is, when you look at our centers over our lifetime, absolutely the, probably the best in that list that you just – I mean, yeah, I think that's safe to say. My, the point I was, again, trying to make is, is Trey Hopkins that good at center that you can absolutely punt the second-round pick with a developmental left guard Roll out Xavier Suafilo. Now, Michael Jordan, that problem took care of itself this week or whatever. That was more of the point I was trying to make is from an interior offensive line standpoint, they placed a lot of chips on the Trey Hopkins coming back from an ACL tear. I agree. I agree. They passed on on two starting caliber centers in the second round to to take a a project at guard. So I, I agree with you. You guys, you guys are making very good points. Um, the Billy Price trade tells me that they have the utmost in faith, faith in Trey Hopkins because you wouldn't trade – you know, Billy Price is nothing special, but he, at worst he's a slightly below average player. And you're trading him away for a backup defensive tackle, which, yes, they need depth on the D-line, but that tells you what they think of Trey Hopkins. Now, going forward – they have five veterans now on the O-line. Do you think that that does anything to um, sort of provide a little comfort for Joe Burrow? These are five guys that have done it in the NFL. Um, you know, last year he had he had some real bozos on that O-line last year. Do you think having five proven veterans, especially Riley Reef at that right tackle position, that Bobby Hart just imploded last year with his play, do you think that does anything for Joe Burrow's confidence to say these five guys have done it in the NFL, I know they can protect me. Yeah, jump yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think that is really important because 
you know, you, you heard it early in camp where he was kind of not nervous, but he was kind of worried about somebody rolling up on him. And I think he will be through week one, just, you know, getting back in live action. But I think he doesn't have to worry about the, the weak links anymore, the Bobby Hart, you know, the turn style at right tackle or, you know, Michael Jordan who can't, you know, can't block, you know, I, I don't even know. I don't can't even block know. a bull rush. You can't even block a trash can. So <laughs> I, I think it's going to be important for just for Joe psyche and his, and his mental, um, for and his mentality moving forward. I'm, I think that Joe Burrow has as much confidence on a normal day as we do 20 Bud Lights deep. I think he is one of the most self-assured people on the planet, but when you have, Probably the worst, and I know that I, I know this is a big claim. I think Bobby Hart might be the worst offensive lineman I have ever seen put on a football helmet. And Wait, when you get that up, well, Andre well, Andre Smith later in his career would like to have a word. Well, guess what? Andre Smith is a Canton first ballot Hall of Famer for <laughs> Bobby Frickin' Hart. You're right, and you're right. I will, I will, I will go to the grave saying that. Yeah. But so. Get it. the point I'm trying to drive home. Yes, it's subconsciously Joe Burrow is going to feel safer now that you know Riley Reef's there. That I mean, even Michael Jordan, God bless him, like is his high school or and excuse me, his college teammate at Ohio State there for a little bit. And I mean, I don't know. I was always a Michael Jordan fan because I I love my Buckeye football or whatever. But he has to feel better with this offensive line. But he would tell you Joe Burrow's answer in the in the public. Uh, realm would say, oh, I mean, I was confident last year. I'm, I'm just as confident this year. I'm not worried about I'll control what I control. No, bullcrap. Joe Burrow feels safer this year going into this season. I agree. I agree. I agree. Now switching topics a little bit. I'm going to ask the question that has overtaken the entire training camp circuit for the Bengals because I honestly haven't gotten your thoughts on this yet, Sneed. We talked about it on last week's episode two weeks ago. Are you worried about the Jamar Chase drops? Are you worried? No, no, I'm not worried at all. Um, I'm not worried at all because if catching the football was a legitimate worry, you would not pick this guy where you picked him at. I mean, he he's not a pass dropper. He's a guy who is, is he 20? Is he 21? Oh, he's, tw- he's 21 now. Okay. This kid hasn't played football since he was 19. Maybe maybe early early days of twenty. Like what I'm getting at is, this kid is so young, and it takes time. And people don't understand. And people do understand, of course. But there's adjustments. There's growing pains. The preseason is for getting acclimated with this completely new offense. Um, if drops were a question, and I know I say this when we took John Ross in the first round, but yeah. John Ross to me, it, it, I think we can all agree on this. I don't think you can find a person with actual football talking credibility that can say that John Ross is even in the same stratosphere of a prospect as Jamar Chase. And yeah. so I'm not worried about drops. Receivers that are taken that high rarely, if ever, bust in the way that John Ross did at what? We would pick him at nine or 11 or whatever. What I'm getting at is if you're really a top 10 receiver, the first and foremost thing that you, you, you judge is can this guy catch passes and he's going to figure it out. I know the deep ball is another thing that people are worried about, or whatever. He's going to get that figured out at a minimum. You have an already decently solid. I, I know that's why we picked a receiver this early. 
you have a very solid two pass catchers in T Higgins and Tyler Boyd, and you're going to have to freaking guard them. So what I'm getting at is that is the perfect scenario for Jamar Chase to figure this out. Talk to me week four, if drops are still a problem. And it very, it might be, uh, but I'm still not hitting the panic button until I see at least the first half of a rookie year come, come to fruition. Yeah. And I, I also, uh, I've seen people on Twitter that are just ignorant that are saying, Oh, the Bengals took John Ross. They're going to have another busted receiver. And like you said, you hit it right on the head. You can't have eyes and an ounce of a, you, you can't have brain cells and eyes. If you think John Ross is anything close to Jamar Chase. So I very he, very he, stupid he, argument. And to be fair, could Jamar Chase be a bust? Yes, but he is way more talented and has a way better shot of making it than John Ross ever did. Yep. And and I'll just say I don't know I don't know about you guys, but I, I know I was very disappointed when we took John Ross. I was very disappointed. I was like, okay, wow, here's the guy that blazed that forty. This could work out. This is a absolute scratch off lottery ticket. When, I, when we took Jamar Chase, you guys were the ones that talked me into that. I mean, obviously, I wanted Sewell, but I've come complete 180 on it. Jamar Chase is the perfect prototype as an athlete for the modern-day 2021 wide receiver. He's going to figure it out. Yep. Now, switching or, or continuing on with the offensive theme, sort of what – and this was um, on our list that I sent out to you guys. What Bengals player do you think surprises people the most for their fantasy teams this year? I have one, and it, I don't know if you guys are going to agree with me. Um, if you take my answer, I will fly to Cincinnati no, and kill no, you. No, you go first. You go first. You're our guest. You go first. No, no, no. You go first. I think it's our Michigan man, backup running back, Chris Evans. I think he could take the Giovanni Bernard role. Yep. Oh, like a fast. Right. You're, you're crazy. I'm not crazy. crazy. I'm not crazy. <laughs> let's be honest. When is first of all, I love Joe Mixon. When is he when has he been able to stay healthy? And Samaje P. Ryan couldn't catch a beach ball if you threw it at him. So somebody's right. got to put him third down. And it's gonna be Chris Evans. Right. Who's your answer? I was gonna make it Cedric Benson might have more fantasy points than Chris Evans. Oh, that's it's too early. It's too early. I'm sorry. God oh, rest his soul. Um, that's that's going to get us an E on uh, iTunes. Um, I think it's CJ Uzama. Let's just roll that one under the okay, rug. Um, CJ Uzama. <laughs> I say that as a fantasy owner in one of my leagues um, because I am notorious for uh, waiting way too long to pick a tight end. But, um, you know, the Bengals social media team has done a great job of selling me on CJ Zama and how him and Burrow, they rehabbed together that entire, you know, second half of the season last year. Um, and just, I, I've heard nothing but nice and good things about CJ Zama and the player that they think he could be. And I think that if there's one thing on our offense that I am not, well, I know the offensive line, we all have our, our doubts, whatever. I don't, I don't know if CJ, CJ Uzama is going to have, he's going to have to make plays this year to sell us on being a starting tight end in this league. Otherwise, I think that, you know, depending on what our record is, I think we could very well address the tight end in the first round next year. But what I'm getting at is he's going to have every opportunity to, to win that job um, with our three wideouts, 
you know, they're going to get a lot of attention. Um, a lot of game plans are going to be uh, thrown at them, which kind of leaves the seam open for CJ Uzama. I think he's got to make some plays. And even if he's like, I know we've said average a lot. If he's a top 15 tight end, top 16 tight end, I think that uh, he's going to put up surprising fantasy numbers for CJ Uzama. But um, I, I think it's, I think it's possible. I, I, I foresee it happening. Right. All right. So give me a two word answer and then we're going to get into some predictions, some numerical predictions. So give me a two word answer to this question. I want a first name and a last name. Who is the Bengals receiver that leads the team in, in just who's the best receiver this season for the Bengals? T Higgins. T Higgins. I'm going to say T Higgins. All right. I, mine's Tyler Boyd. Um, so we got two T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, CJ Uzoma and Chris Evans, watch out for those guys on your fantasy teams. Now, this is why I brought you on, Jake, because, well, not why I brought you on. I really enjoy your storytelling abilities. But give me your prediction for the Bengals' record. Give me your prediction for AFC North final standings. And give me one bold prediction for something that happens this season. Well, I told myself I was going to be responsible here. So I think I will be 11 and six. <laughs> I think we go 11 and six. Um, I think that's good enough to win the wild card. Um, <laughs> I hear somebody snickering. Um, I, 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 no, I, I think if we're going to be realistic, I think this team goes anywhere between seven and 10 and 11 and six. I, I really mean that. And the reason I say that is, I mean, we were all very well alive and conscious as Bengal fans when the team took AJ Green at six. And then obviously uh, Andy there in the second round, but nobody expected that team to do squat the next year. And they went out and freaking lit the world on fire. And so if I have to hear people in the national media talk about Justin Herbert, and he deserves it. He put up great numbers last year. But if I have to look at people with, uh, giving me this with a straight face saying, um, oh, I just got an alert about uh, Jamar Chase, how he needs to be better. And he's not afraid to get better anyway. Um, if people can tell me that the Chargers are dark horses to win the AFC, then you can look at me and tell me Joe Burrow can't come back with this loaded receiving core and at least sneak into the playoffs. It's not out of the realm of possibilities. Yeah, and I think um, that goes back to our that goes yeah. back to our point of if the defense is average, they got a shot. Yeah. So why can't you give me why can't I be a preseason back? I mean, I think I heard this in the, on one time like last year. This is the time of the year where every team is 10 and 6. And this obviously before the extended season or whatever. Every team can see a scenario of them going 10 and 6. But I really believe we I mean why shouldn't we be optimistic? Like we've made enough moves. We can be optimistic there. Yeah. I, I, and I think we can be optimistic now because we have our quarterback and we have weapons around him. I think in the past, you guys have been um, a little, a little unrealistic um, with uh, me. That is never a word what? to describe us as fans. Come on. You, you guys need the most you said we down were, the road. You said we're making the playoffs with Andy Dalton and with Bobby Hart still at right tackle, and he's throwing to me 
as the third as a slot receiver. I mean, it's like I, we weren't making the playoffs back then. But I agree with you guys now. I think we have a shot. But I think a lot of things have to go well for us early in the season. I yeah. think we're going to have to start off at least 3-1 and one or 4-0 and oh if we got a shot. And I think we can. We've talked about this before. Uh, so, Melby and I did. But I think we got a shot. So why don't you each give me one bold prediction for the season? Well, I kind of started with that one. Jermaine Pratt's going to make his first Pro Bowl. He's going to be a top five in the AFC in tackles. But yeah. uh, a really bold prediction is um, – Man, now you're gonna make me reach for something here. Um, oh, I, I, that's a I, good bold prediction. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I, yeah, I'll, I'll double down on both things I've said. I, my bold prediction is the Bengals sneak into the wild card this year. I think they beat the Steelers like a drum. I think they steal one against Cleveland. I think they steal one against Baltimore. And I think that's good enough to uh, to get us into uh, the playoffs, just enough to rip our hearts out again and restart the whole narrative that the Bengals can't win in the playoffs. But at least we're feeling good, and we can draft the tight end around the 17 range next year. Sorry, CJ Zama is going to be great this year. It gives us options. You get what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right, I got two. I got, I got two bold predictions. Um, one on offense, one on defense. I'll go three. Um, my first one is Trey Hendrickson is going to lead the AFC in sacks. I think I think that could happen. Um, two, I think Tyler Boyd gets over 100 catches this year if he stays healthy. And then three, Evan McPherson pushes for a Pro Bowl. And I, I know Justin Tucker is in the AFC, but I think he could push for one this okay. year. Okay. Uh, I will give my two. I'll give three as well. Um, I think T. Higgins is a makes first or second team all pro this year. Um, I think that the Bengals have a top 10 scoring defense in the NFL this year. And I think that the Bengals finished second in the AFC North this year behind the Browns. Behind the Browns. You think the which, – Which would be enough to put us into that wild card weekend. Honestly, I – okay, this is, sounds crazy. Um, if the Bengals play up to the potential, I think three teams from AFC North can make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. So those are our bold predictions. Now, only looking at week one, what do you guys think this week – are you riding? Let's let's give some betting lines, and we can get into an average Joe's betting section if we want to, Alec um, and Snead. The Bengals are catching three points this week at home against the Vikings, and the over-under is 48. So you don't have to take a side on either of those. I personally have the Bengals plus three, but give me a score prediction and give me a something you're watching for this weekend. Yep, so – Captain Novak's Kurt comes to town. I think, I think, I think we got a shot. Um, not only for you to cover those three or to, you know, get those three points, but I think, I, th I would probably say we're, we should be favored to win in my opinion, just because Kirk Cousins is, is Kirk Cousins. And I think Joe Burrow coming back. I think if Joe Burrow didn't get hurt last year, I think, I think we would be favored, but um, my score prediction, I would say, it's kind of tough. I'd say 28-24. I say um, I say Joe Burrow has a nice game. Joe Mixon gets acclimated, but I think we give up a lot of passing yards in our first game back. Yeah, I'm gonna go Cincinnati Bengals 21, Minnesota Vikes 17. Okay, I think we cover. Well, excuse me, not cover. I think we we uh, 
comfortably cover, I guess, with that given three points. Um, but I think that I think it's going to be an uglier game than people are expecting. I think that the Vikings offense, I think Dalvin Cook is a mother. <laughs> um, so this defense is going to be tested right away. I think Justin Jefferson's going to get his. Um, but Kirk Cousins is Andy Dalton with brownish blonde hair. Um, and I, I just don't, I just don't trust him as a quarterback. I think Paul Brown is going to be popping off. Um, I think these fans are excited to be back home. Um, I think Joe Burrow, I think they have a comfortable game game plan for him. I think you see a lot of Joe Mixon. Um, but I think this team is good enough to, to put three in the end zone. And I think, I think that with the, I think that the, the Vikings offense plays into the strength of our defense, meaning if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to absolutely feed Justin Jefferson. But I think this team is built to stop the run, like I said, and um, we're going to get, we're going to see these linebackers. I'm really fired up to see these linebackers because they're young and they're going to get test, tested I'm, a lot this week. I, and that's the, the point. I mean, Dalvin Cook, we can all agree, is a top three running back in the league. So, I mean, you're, get, you're getting tested right off the bat. So Jermaine Pratt's a, you know, Pro Bowl season, better start off with a bang here in week one. All right. So I will get in here and I'll read off my Bengals card of bets that I have for the season. And I'll give my prediction for week one. So I've got the Bengals plus 7,000 to win the Super Bowl because I wouldn't be a real fan if I didn't have that. I have the Bengals over six and a half wins. Um, I have Joe Burrow plus 550 to win comeback player of the year. And I have the Bengals plus 2,500 to win the AFC North. That all being said, I think Minnesota wins this weekend 23 to 21. I think they get a field goal at the gun. I just do not think that the Bengals, I think that Eli Apple starting at corner is really going to hurt the Bengals this weekend. I do not think that he can cover Justin Jefferson for four quarters. I think Justin Jefferson has a monster game uh, or whoever he ends up covering, whether it be Thielen or Jefferson. I think one of those receivers goes off. I do think that the Bengals do a relatively good job of stymieing Dalvin Cook. I just think in the end, their Minnesota and their more experienced roster and more experienced coaching makes a play at the end to beat the Bengals. But I think the Bengals do end up covering because I think this is a game of very, two very evenly matched teams. So those are my thoughts. Hey, uh, I respected it. And, uh, it's the national narrative. It is. It is. So, Jake, you're probably familiar if you're, a, if you're a regular listener. We also do some trivia here at the end of the show. And I have a question for you two gentlemen today. So it is obviously Bengals-Vikings in Paul Brown Stadium this weekend. The Bengals and the Vikings have played seven times in Cincinnati. Seven times. What is the Bengals' record in those seven games? And there are no ties. No ties. So what is the Bengals' record in those seven games? The first meeting was in Cincinnati in 1973. The last meeting was 2013 in Cincinnati. Give me the Bengals' record in those seven games. Can we ask a question? Yeah. Um, over or under 500? Over 500. Okay, I'm going to go five and two. Oh, I was going to go four and three. I really was, without even asking the over-under question. 
four and three and five and two. You are both incorrect. The Bengals are a solid six and one against the Minnesota Vikings in in Cincinnati. So hopefully that can. Yeah, you brought that up. Can we just play? Can we just petition to go to the NFC North? Because I I swear we have just dominated the NFC North in my lifetime. The Bengals played the NFC North very well. You get to play MCDC later this year too. Yeah, have to make the trip up north. Now, last segment of the show, I will turn it over to you, Alec, because you were watching today's game. It is the Reds update. Yeah, so uh, Reds update. Uh, lost nine to thirteen. Um, our good friend David Shree is about to have a heart attack because he watches every game like it's a the game seven of the World Series. Um, Frank Schwindel for the Cubs might be might win MVP because he's batting about seven fifty against the Reds. Uh, Ian Happ still sucks, but uh, he, he he mashed today. I, 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 guys, I don't I don't know what to tell you. I we had a 65% chance to make playoffs last week. Now we're tied with the shitty Padres again, those bastards. So I, I don't I don't I don't know what's gonna happen. Well, I think I'll walk into uh, earshot of my Padre fan friend when I talk Padre baseball here. Excuse me, uh, Chad. I'm just talking about how they, they asked me if the Reds or the Padres are getting this last wild card spot. I'm going to bet 50 bucks that the Reds are going to get this last spot because how many games do you guys have against the Dodgers? Statistically, they're Statistically, they're screwed still. Yeah, um, they we're the going to figure this out. I mean, this screams sneak into the playoffs and we might get beat 15 to nothing in that wild card game. And then we're feeling like crap going into the off season, we'll lose Castellanos. <laughs> we'll sign, you know, a new vending machine guy. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it'll be the, the never ending we'll cycle of Reds the, fandom. Yeah. We'll, we'll bring back a uh, Brad Brock for the bullpen. The Padres might sign Barry Bonds, uh, in a time <laughs> machine, uh, uh, you know, Kurt Schilling, um, Javi Pedro Baez, Martinez. Pedro, Pedro Martinez, and still, be within two or three games of us for a wild card spot next year but that's neither here nor there that's a big market baseball for you but um i'm so mad about this red team right now don't even get me started all right well i won't i will not we will cut it off there get you guys out in just under an hour the nfl is back the church of pigskin is drafting tonight and i don't know about you boys i could not be any happier that the long winter is over and football has returned. All I got to say is who day? Who day? Who day? Who day? Who day think they'll beat them Bengals, not the Vikings? Nobody. Who day? 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 Who day